The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand. And we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling Feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Extra Point Take. Shield Kapati here, joined by Ben Solak. Playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Six games. Three days. Can't wait. Now, these two weekends, Ben, I feel like are the two best weekends uh, of the year. We've got all that going on. We've got all this coaching stuff uh, going on. But legacies will be shaped here in the next month of the season. We're going to be talking about all of it. You look excited. You look like a, you're you're always excited though. This could be May. We could be talking about nothing, and you would still bring the same level of enthusiasm. You're like Jim Harbaugh. I I, I appreciate that. That's the only <laughs> comparison to Jim Harbaugh that I will take and I will accept. Uh, yeah. But you're absolutely right. Wild card weekend, man. I mean, always a good weekend. Division round, always a good weekend. High intensity games, usually great. And matchups wise, I love it. Like every. Every matchup we've got is good, and even the one where like Steelers Bills is a ten point line, there's gonna be like a foot of snow, and it's a Steelers Bills game, so anything can happen anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's a, um, I think we're in for a really, really fun weekend. I agree. Weather is a huge factor in a couple of these games this mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, before we get to the games, Ben, a little breaking news right before we came on: Gerard Mayo, the new New England Patriots yes. head coach. Uh, what is your initial reaction? To this, no Mike Rabel, no long search. They had the succession in, uh, plan in place, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Mayo. Do you want me to do the uh, like? I'll, I'll I'll do the the NFL reporter thing. Okay, right. I had one. Gerard uh, Mayo came on the pod three years ago. I talked to him for ten minutes. He was delightful. Great hire. I've, I saw. <laughs> I, I had one. Brad, one like slight yeah, connection. Little interaction. With him. I have one. I I have one anecdote, and it was positive. <laughs> so because of that, good hire. In general. I would say that I, I like the Mayo uh, promotion. I, we didn't talk a lot about Belichick uh, alternatives for New England because he hadn't really like left yet. We talked a lot about where does Belichick go. We didn't talk a lot about where did New England go afterward. But one of the things that I think was important for like Kraft and for that organization is to have found 
someone who was decently Belichick adjacent, which I know like, oh, like, oh, all they've been doing is retreading the same guys. So it's all been the same system. But when you go from like such a, 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 a tentpole figure, such a centralizing figure in Belichick and just try to go like completely a new direction, there are like really big growing pains, right? Like, like the idea of Kraft having to learn how to interact with a new head coach, like a new system, a new philosophy, and everybody, like owner takes on new roles, GM takes on new roles. Like that's a lot. That was going to come with a ton of, of growing pains to it. So I don't mind the fact that they went for someone who has familiarity to how things have worked in New England previously. That's not to say John Mayo is going to become Belichick, but he's going to be the walking GM. I think they're very clearly going to change the, the, the structure of the front office a little bit. But in general, I think it's good to have some familiarity. When you're making a change after that much time, after that long with Belichick, going cold turkey and somewhere completely different, I think would have been challenging. So I, I, I thought like the Vrabel and Mayo options made sense for them. I think you, you, you've clearly heard that like players love Mayo and they've been impressed with Mayo. Seems, seems like he's a solid guy. I think it makes sense. I think it's a good hire for them. Yeah, I didn't think they needed to do anything Belichick adjacent. I think Robert Kraft is going to find interacting. I think he's going to find interacting with any head coach to uh, to be uh, a little bit more pleasant and delightful than maybe it was with Bel. That wasn't like that wasn't why the relationship worked because you know obviously the relationship worked because Belichick was a great coach and they won Super Bowl. So I mean, I would have been fine. Like they're not. It, you can have growing pains. This roster stinks. Like they're not in position. Um, you know, to be competing for a Super Bowl next year. So um, I didn't think that was important. Uh, we, we can disagree there, but I think it's a fine hire. I think it's it shows a little like they obviously had a plan in place. That you don't want to be caught off guard. I always say interview as many people uh, as you can in these situations because you can just kind of steal ideas or see who's out there. Or maybe a year from now, right. you need a coordinator or you need someone else on your staff or, hey, someone wants to get into scouting and you really liked some of the things they said. So uh, I always like that. But um, at the same time, uh, I think that this is fine. I mean, I think he's a qualified candidate. Uh, obviously, I think you're giving him a chance. I think he's young. He's someone you can potentially uh, grow with. Like you said, you're going to change the structure. It's going to be different. And this is like the kind of coach you need is someone who, hey, build this thing uh, so that we can have some sustained success for a long period of time, or, or at least that's the goal. That's hard to achieve. But that's the goal. This isn't a, hey, come in and let's win right now uh, type situation. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to hear more from Gerard Mayo. I think it's going to be, you know, a different culture, a different environment there for better or worse, obviously, uh, from Belichick. But uh, new era. And you, you're right. We do, I don't think we talked at all. about. I mean, I thought when, once Rabel left Tennessee, I mean, I was that that really felt like, oh, is this going to just is Rabel just going to New England here and he's going to replace yeah, Belichick. So um, that's obviously not going to happen. So all these dominoes start to fall. And now Vrabel is available for other teams. So we will see where he lands. All right. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, your point on um, interviewing people is good. I wouldn't have mind like same with the intern, like the Antonio Pierce thing. I wouldn't mind if they brought in some people and talked to them and landed on May. I think that probably would have benefited them. I will say, like, the, the male continuity with the defense is nice because the defense was good. That's true. Right? The Patriots were bad, but the defense was quite good with Juden injured and Christian Gonzalez injured. Like, this, they, they did great work on that side of the ball. And Mayo has a, a big hand in that. Obviously, Belichick, a huge hand in that as well. But Mayo is not like a figurehead. Mayo is impactful there. Uh, you want to say anything about Vrabel or Pete? Well, I got Pete in one of my uh, one of my things here. So why don't we get to that? Oh, yeah. Once we All get, right, we'll get to when we get there. Once we get there. All right, let's start with the headliners this weekend. I had like three games that I was choosing from, and I, I was like, oh, I'll pick which one of the two that uh, Solak doesn't pick. What's your headliner? What's your game? What's your matchup? What's your storyline? What's the number one thing you've got your eye on this weekend? Uh, the, the, the 
closest game to me is Rams Lions. That's the game that I think is going to be the tightest, going to be the hottest, hottest, hottest contended. I've been waist deep on this game. I've been, I've been, I did this piece on the Lions, and and I've been thinking about the Lions postseason run. And so this is the this is the the game that's that's got the most interest for me for sure. Uh, the matchup is this Lions defense against the Rams when they're when they're throwing the football, and particularly how this is going to work. Uh, Next Gen Stats had an interesting note where the Lions have allowed the most yards and yards per attempt on passes between the numbers this season. Right now, there are, are three players, three defensive players in the league who have been targeted at least 30 times, who have not forced a tight window target. Two of those players are Lions linebacker Jack Campbell and Lions linebacker Derek Barnes. That's not great, right? So if, you, you, if, you're, if you're suffering a lot between the numbers and, and, and your linebackers are particularly struggling to close windows, then anecdotally, you would assume, all right, this is a team that's really going to struggle against a Matthew Stafford-led uh, uh, Sean McVay scheme and passing game. When you actually look at how the Rams passing game works this season, they rely on the num- the area between the numbers a lot less than they used to, right? This is not the same Jared Goff offense. And obviously everyone knows what the Jared Goff offense looks like because, hey, the Lions are still running it right now on the other side of the ball. Um, but this is not the same Sean McVay, Jared Goff offense where you really had to live in the middle of the field in order to be successful. They still run a lot of inbreakers. They still run a lot of crossers and and. and They'll operate all of those routes, but they will throw the ball outside of the numbers. They will throw outbreakers. They will throw swing patterns. Like Stafford gives them a much wider menu of throws. And so the Lions passing will struggle in the middle of the field. And I think that you're going to see the Rams hit that and try to attack that and, and, and be aggressive that direction. But that's not the, uh, that's not like the, oh, their bread is buttered here. This is the only way they go about things anymore. And so I, I, I think that the, the concerns there can be a little bit overstated in terms of that matchup. What, what, interests me the most is is how the Lions corner two is able to take away the the other of Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup right I think that's the big thing because you have Cam Sutton he's been corner one for them Sutton's not exactly what you want in a corner one he's a guy where you'll take the matchups you'll you'll beat him one-on-one I liked the Sutton signing I thought they got a good player for a decent money asking him to be corner one has been a lot for him uh and so you have that matchup and then on the other side of the ball or actually on the other side of the field they had Jerry Jacobs there for a long time. They benched him. They wanted Emmanuel Mosley to be this player. He got injured throughout the season. And so now their corner two has been uh, Kendall Vilder, who was just a street free agent that he picked up midseason. And that's the guy who's ha- going to have to be accounting for Puka Nakua or Cooper Cup, whoever the other guy isn't, right? The Lions are in a really bad matchup spot with these outside wide receivers. That's the game for you right there, right? If your linebackers can't take away play action middle of the field when you're in zone and your corners can't survive against Puka and Coop when you're in man, a Stafford's going for 304. Right? There's, not, there's not much to be done about it. Lions have a good run defense, and, 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 and over the course of the season, they have good run defense numbers. It's been a little bit shakier recently. But generally, they've had a good run defense. Okay, slow down uh, uh, Kyron Williams, and okay, they've got a good pass rush, and they're going to be able to get some Aiden Hutchinson pressure. But if you can't take away these receivers, Stafford's just going to beat you down the yard. So that, that's your matchup is Aaron Glenn has gotten head coaching interviews the last few years. He was the top-rated coordinator offense or defense for the NFLPA. He's a great guy, and the players love him. That defense, that Lions defense, has not risen the way the Lions offense has. Lions offense is championship caliber, right? It's playoff caliber. It's what brought them here. Defense hasn't done the same thing. They're going to survive the Rams. They need that side of the ball. And right now, they're, they're in a tough matchup spot where linebackers and corners are liable. They have to get big performances. They have to get creative if they're going to uh, survive the Rams. Yeah, you made, a, you made a good point on Monday that this Lions defense, like it's worth zooming out. And like this is where we always like to align, you know, film and eye test and data mm-hmm. and uh, everything. And like, just watching them most weeks, I'm like, they don't got it. Like th- this, this defense is going to get carved up. 
by good offenses. But you made a good point that zoom out, they're 13th in defensive DVOA. It actually is a big step up from where they were in 2022. I mean, this defense was a disaster last year, like a bottom five defense uh, in the NFL. And and to what you know we say often on the show is that elite offense plus mediocre defense equals Super Bowl contender. Like that's really what it's been mm-hmm. for the Lions this year. I'm interested in the approach from Aaron Glenn here because he's got that DNA in him that Saints like aggressive. This is this is not a sit back and let the offense dictate. This is you know you want to be aggressive. They don't always have the guys to be aggressive. But Stafford splits are really interesting this year. Solak like in, it could be noise football. Everything is a small sample, but against man coverage, twenty eighth in success rate uh, for starters against the blitz, twenty sixth in success rate. So like when teams have been aggressive uh, against this Rams offense, they've actually had success. Now, again, this is one year, small sample. When the, when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, these numbers against Stafford, he, he was top three. I remember like doing the prep for uh, that year. So it, it not to say this is the secret formula and this is how you get after him. It is a little bit interesting to me that this version of the Rams offense has been a little bit susceptible there. Now, if you're the Lions, you look at those matchups on paper and it's like, that's scary. Are you, are you really going to, you know, how, how much right. man coverage do you have with your guys against their guys? You just look at it. You check the box. Rams, advantage, advantage, advantage kind of across the board there. But, um, you know, it, it is kind of in the Lions DNA, Aaron Glenn's DNA, I feel like, to come out and be aggressive. And, hey, if you give up some big plays, that's okay, but kind of take it to the Rams. So uh, that's an aspect yeah. of that matchup that I'm interested in as well. Yeah, lowest quarterback pressure rate uh, since week 11. This is again from Next Gen Stats. Stafford is third lowest in the league, right? Uh, the only lower than him were Tua, which, yep, that's how that offense is built. And then Mac Jones, which doesn't count. So Stafford's basically getting pressured less than any of the quarterback recently. That offensive line, man. That's been I mean, like the secret, that right? That's probably been the most yeah. surprising. Like we can talk so much about the Rams. Yeah. I came into the season going, Stafford at this age with the injury history behind that offensive line. Sorry, I'm not picking as much as I'm tempted to pick them to do something. I'm not doing it. But yeah, you're right. That offensive line has just overachieved to a huge degree. It's the most it's the most understated part of this this team's improvement. Both their guards are straight new. Steve Aviel is a rookie. Kevin Dotson, they traded for peanuts from the Steelers right in August. Right. This was like a training camp. We're probably going to cut him at the 53 anyway. They've been starting for them. They've both been excellent. Rob Havens seems to be able to stay healthy. Right tackle, he's been there for a long time. And then left tackle, which has been a rotating door, has become Alaric Jackson, who's a player that we saw at left tackle at various times in previous seasons and couldn't seem like he really hold his water. The, the light bulb came on, right? And so they've. Uh, it, what's important is that there are offensive lines in the league, and especially offensive lines in this system, that are punching above their weight. And, and and like the Dolphins are an example and the Niners are an example where like when you watch them overall, you're like these lines are playing pretty good. But then you look at numbers and you look at like clear, just pure drop back situations. And those lines are liable, right? Anybody who's had a Brock Purdy conversation with Niners fans knows that they say like, oh, like, you know, you have to bring up the fact that it's a below average offensive line. And it doesn't look like a below average offensive line because Kyle does a lot to protect it. And the scheme does a lot to protect it. It's when, when they get stuck in third and eight that it kind of you, you shows up and they, they can lose in pass protection. This Rams offensive line is not in that category where, oh, the scheme protects them and whatever. No, they're constantly just five in the concept. All the time, they're just like, yep, shotgun, five out. We're just going to leave our five here to protect. We're going to be fine. And, and, and are successful snap after snap after snap after snap, right? This is, this is not a, oh, you know, the good offensive coach. Yeah, obviously, he's helping the line a little bit. That's all good offensive coaches do. But it's not that sort of a thing. Like, this line is legit good. So the, the Lions defense, right? Okay, 13th in DVOA, film test. You know, you watch them against the top teams. They struggle. Kind of what's the... What's the give? What's the take here? 
this is a defense that uh, needs their stars to dominate on key plays, right? They're going to be a bend, but don't break, get, give three instead of seven, get a key turnover. And it has to be your, your Brian Branch who does it for you, Charles Garner Johnson who does it for you. In this case, particularly, it's Aiden Hutchinson. Hutch got to win, right? I mean, Hutch is unbelievably prolific this season uh, and, and take on a huge volume and generating a huge number of pressures. Even at the high volume, he's still a top 10 in pressure rate. I think he's a top 15 in pressure rate. He's been a great outside edge rusher. He's been, a, he's been an edge one. Huge jump for, for Hutchinson. I was, I was doubtful after year one. I remember watching him in year two being like, all right, he looks like he's, he's coming. He's, he's, he's taking a big leap. And so he has. Uh, win the game, dude. All right, you're the stars, you're the top five pick. You're, you're the stars rusher. Win it. Right. I mean, like, like that Cowboys game, which like he should have won. And, and, and um, uh, they didn't win that game. Obviously, he's going up against a backup tackle, but it's like three sacks. Right. That's the sort of performance you need from a star rusher in a playoff like environment. Go, go, go stop two drives for us. Get a sack, get a pressure. Both of those are going to stop drives and then we'll handle the rest of it. Hudgenton is the player you circle on the Lions defense and you say, we got problems with all 11, but if you win your one-on-ones, we can erase a lot of that. Yeah, they, they can play with some variants. They, they can take some risks and, like you said, try to force uh, turnovers, negative plays, kill some drives, knowing that they're going to give up some plays on defense. There's no doubt about it. So uh, uh, Let's save the picks. We'll do our locks at the end, and then whatever games we don't pick, we'll just go on the record about you know what side yes, we, we would take if necessary. All right, my... Headliner. I was debating between a couple here. Let's go to Kansas City on Saturday night because I feel like this could be a, a bit of a narrative shaper depending uh, on the outcome here. First of all, we got to start with the weather here, Benny Souls. I mean, I don't know when I wrote my crispy co- when I wrote my column last night. It looked like minus four with a real feel. I love a real feel. You like a real feel? I uh, sure, but <laughs> they also I feel like they can they can fool you at times. It can be tricky. <laughs> wow. Dolak calling out the real feel, saying nonsense. It's not what it feels no, my, like. <laughs> I, I, I was raised by a, a grandma and a mother who have a distinct passion for meteorology. Oh. My mom looks at multiple weather apps before. Like, you, know, you got to have a few on the phone wow. and kind of get like a rolling average. Yeah, absolutely. My mom likes to just, when she's just hanging out, she'll just look at the weather where all her kids live. And then she'll text us that information in case we don't have it. Oh. In case we, yeah. So my mom service. texted me earlier this week. Can I sign she up texted for me earlier this week. Yeah, she texted me earlier this week, said, Ben, a lot of snow coming Friday and Saturday. I was like, yep, thanks. I'm ready to go. Appreciate it, Mom. All right. We're getting, but the moment this pot ends, the snow's starting. Apparently, we're getting like 10 inches. Today. Really? Okay. So there you go. Yep. Can- starting at 10 o'clock. Kansas City, uh, according to one weather app, uh, I guess I should reference the weather app. Now, this is AccuWeather. We'll give a shout out to State College of Pennsylvania, where I spent four years. Uh, minus four yes, degrees with a real feel of minus 24. So that is not like yes. sometimes we Nippy. overrate like oh you know it's gonna be like 28 is 28 bit minus four oh my goodness this is gonna be freezing in kansas city on saturday night you've got the dolphins going there as now four and a half point underdogs in this game the chiefs i've been fading their offense all season long i'm still doing that but my goodness this dolphins defense is so banged up we know about the edge situation no chubb no jalen phillips no andrew van ginkle you've got uh, javon holland is questionable for this game Xavier howard is out for this game it is just like a skeleton crew on this dolphins defense i actually think the other side of the ball might be where this game is is really decided you know you think of the dolphins yeah. and you say a oh, warm weather team who are playing in the cold. This Chiefs defense has been good, but the Dolphins have a very distinct advantage here. So like their run game has been very good for most of the season. I think they're top five 
in DVOA rushing the football. This Chiefs defense has been outstanding against the pass, but 27th against the run. So even though we're thinking of the Dolphins as this warm weather, built on speed type team, like in some ways they're kind of built for a, a little bit. Built for a cold weather game if they can get that run game going and run the football. Uh, in that game against the Chiefs earlier this season, they averaged over five yards per carry. They didn't get to the run game uh, a ton in that game. I think they had 20, uh, 21 carries, something like that. But when they did, they were pretty successful in that game. So, um, you know, if the, if the Dolphins come out and they get blown out, like the fraud label is going to be pretty apt. I mean, they're one in five with a minus 91 point differential against playoff teams. This season, only the Giants and the Commanders have a worse point differential against other playoff teams this season. Like, that's bad. I mean, they, they've had time after time to prove themselves. And other than that one Cowboys game, they haven't done it. So if they get blown out here, there's going to be a lot of questions about this team, like going forward with Tua and like, did they just beat up on bad teams all season long? And then the Chiefs, listen, it's a little bit of a scary spot. You know, you're you're not the team you mm -hmm. thought you were going to be coming into the season. The weather's bad. You still are facing an offense, which uh, Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddell are both questionable. I think Mike McDaniel said he's optimistic. They both play. Like, that's still a lot to deal with, you know, for, for a first-round playoff game. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Achan, Mostert, Mike McDaniel as a schemer, uh, and this Dolphins offense. So it's a little bit of a tricky spot where you're like, Something in my head saying, man, this thing could go sideways Saturday night where we're having a conversation about why did the Chiefs build it this way? What's their big move in the offseason? Who are they adding at wide receiver? They wasted a year of Mahomes' prime. All this stuff I've been harping on and yelling about all season long. So uh, I, that is a fascinating game to me. Yeah, I, I'm a lot more confident in the Chiefs beating the Dolphins than I think you are. Uh, I think deep, when you look at that side of the ball, Dolphins offense versus Chiefs defense, especially looking at last season uh, the game earlier this season right they played in germany i i, I thought that uh spags against this offense was so cool to see because uh is using the pre-snap motion against them and it's allowing him to change pictures and, and and make the passing game difficult and send blitzes with correct timing get free rushers i think that his defense is really well suited to disrupting kind of the finely tuned machine right like the the, the fine gears of, of this like luxury watch that's it that is the dolphins offense you bring up the running game, and that's a good point. Okay, cold weather, you know, run the football. But typically, we say run the football because uh, you're running it with physicality. You're, you're becoming the the enforcer, right? When we talk about cold weather and why you want to run the ball, when, when you're playing in cold weather, you want to be the guy who hits, not the guy who gets hit, right? Uh, you want to be the guy who puts your shoulder pad into somebody else's ribs because, man, it hurts like a son of a gun to get hit. And it altogether, it hurts like a son of a gun. In this weather, it really, really hurts. So you say run the ball so your offensive line can come off the line. Run the ball so your back can come off the line. You can put your shoulder pad into some guys. That's not really how the Dolphins run it. The problem is the Dolphins run it like a luxury vehicle, right? They, they, they run it with, with smaller players and with faster players. And so uh, I think overall, like when, when, whenever the, the, the Dolphins autopsy comes on this season, right? This week, three weeks from now, or what have you. There's a lot of notes for a lot of parts of the offense, a lot of notes for Tua, and, and I, I did a placement on him. The note for McDaniel, when you're just sitting with, with Mike and like, what, what did you bring? What can you do better? Is I think he got away from the run too often in the second half of the season. You know, their running numbers are insane. They're great running the football. And I think they could have controlled some of these postseason games that they lost, not postseason, but uh, uh, late season games that decided the, the postseason picture. They, they lost some of those games that they could have won if they committed to running the ball. And that's the problem with, with coaches like Mike and all these, these offensive gurus, right? Just ask Andy Reid circa any time in the 2010s. Hard to run the football. It's not as fun. Play call's not as long. Guys aren't going as far downfield. Just not as good of a time. And so I do think that Mike's moved away from the run more than he should have over the course of the last uh, last few weeks. 
But even in this game, if you're if you're if you're running the ball with the attempt of all right, let's salt this thing away, right? Let's let's control the clock and let's 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 run it in this cold weather. I like the Chiefs over the Dolphins for that because I like Pacheco in that line in, in a cold weather environment a lot more than I like the the uh, Devon A. Shane and 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 the Dolphins line just in terms of of the the physical nature of running the football in this sort of a weather. So I'm not sure the Dolphins have a have a good mode on their offense to control this game if the weather's as, as you know, uh, terrifying, as painful as, as it sounds like it's going to be. There you go. All right. We got Chiefs, Dolphins. We hit on Lions, Rams. Let's take a break. We'll get to our other categories and hit on the other games this weekend. When it comes to the NFL playoffs, you've got to win one game at a time. But when you bet the NFL playoffs on FanDuel, one game can mean a lot of wins. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, has all your favorite bets, like the money line and the spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. This week coming up, we're talking about more bets later in the show. I do like the Chiefs minus four and a half against the Dolphins. I like the Bucks plus three against the Eagles. And I like the Steelers plus 10 against the Bills. Prop bet wise, Najee Harris over 60 and a half rushing yards with the Steelers. My favorite one of the week. Right now, every day there's an NFL playoff game. FanDuel is giving all customers a no sweat same game parlay. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your same game parlay doesn't win. So visit FanDuel.com slash ringer NFL if you don't already have an account. Make every Every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in select states, minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed all right we are back on extra point taking next category ben monday morning storyline what are we talking about around the nfl monday morning right i can't shake the feeling that the steelers are going to beat the bills Ooh, yeah beat the bills he didn't say cover he didn't say give them a game he said beat the bills i love it right now it's a lot more likely that uh, right they cover or they you know give them a a, a a game but they don't actually get the hay in the barn as it were. Um, talked about weather for uh, 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 Chiefs Dolphins that's that's in Kansas City in Buffalo and and upstate New Yorkers will know just as by West Michiganders will know Lake Effect Snow baby Western New York they like they don't like the upstate New York right they like the Western New York. I just meant. For the people who receive the lake effect snow, okay. I apologize. Right. I was just general <laughs> collective group. Uh, lake effect snow is a real thing. Uh, current weather forecast, uh, temperature of 26 degrees. There's a, a 
25 mile per hour winds that could gust up to 50. And we're looking like potentially snow being dumped on before the game, during the game. That's a little bit of a moving target, but there could be multiple inches of snow coming down for Bills Steelers. That creates an environment for slot ball that I think very much favors the Steelers. Uh, I will also say uh, the, the, uh, there was a wonderful piece. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I, I feel poorly. I forget who wrote it, but it was about uh, how Stefan Diggs has to ask Josh Allen to throw the ball a little bit softer in the cold weather because it really hurts his hands to catch it. Josh Allen, like <laughs> in theory, good cold weather quarterback because he has the velocity to cut through the wind. But also sometimes bad weather quarterback because it's hard for receivers to deal with the he guy. He will rip your hand out. off of literally yeah. off of right. your arm. You know, yes. Mason Rudolph with his little cupcake arm, not going to be a problem. <laughs> the ball's going to move in the wind, though. Uh, and so the Bills have uh, some, some uh, again, some good uh, uh, tools that are necessary to play in weather like this, but they're not perfectly built for it. I think the Steelers are going to give the ball to Najee 28 times. I think this game is going to be short. I think it's going to be fast. I think it's going to be a cloud of dirt. I think it's going to be turnovers and punts and field position. The Steelers actually, they just brought up a punter from their practice squad. They might be having a punting change. Presley Harvin might be injured. Like, that's going to be very meaningful for this game. Uh, altogether, though, I think that the Steelers can either uh, beat the Bills or, right, get razor close, right? Really give the Bills a, 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 a little bit of a heart attack here with this one. Make them, you know, realize, like, okay, we got to the postseason. We won this two seed and won that division, but we're still not far from a perfect team. Uh, accordingly, like, uh, if the Bills lose, the story's going to be about the Bills. But in general, I'll say the story for the Steelers is going to be about the quarterback situation. And that's going to be the Monday morning headline. It's going to be, all right, we now, we won these games with Mason Rudolph. We got to play with Mason Rudolph. Heck, we almost slash did beat the Bills with Mason Rudolph. Is Mason Rudolph quarterback of the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have, by the way, very clearly benched Kenny Pickett. Like, that's happened. Like, Pickett could play. And they're not playing him. But it can't go overstated. I've, I've seen Steelers fans who are like, because like there was that report last week that was like, Pickett's their quarterback for 2024, and they're going to move forward with him. He's not playing in a postseason game. I don't know. The team's telling you. Right? We're in 2024, and he is literally yeah. not playing. Yeah. Yeah. He is a healthy quarterback in the postseason, and they're playing the third stringer. They are telling you how they feel about Kenny Pickett. The headline's going to be, is Mason Rudolph the guy? The answer is no. Uh, no. I think that they've seen enough of Mason Rudolph over the course of his career. And even this season, like he had his big moments. But a lot of this is like George Pickens catch and run, right? Like this is nine ball stuff, just vertical balls, you know, go make me right. I think the 2024 quarterback for the Steelers is emphatically not on the roster. But I do think they're going to make this game really interesting. And I think that's going to bring some Sean McDermott questions and, and, and Bill's coaching future questions to the table. And I think it's going to bring some Steelers quarterback questions as well. Uh, and I'm looking forward to all of the panic that comes out of that game for both fan bases. Yeah, the Bills I picked in our Ringer staff predictions. I just stuck with the Bills and said the Bills are I'm picking them to win the Super Bowl. The Bills yeah, are I took the Steelers. Yeah. The Bills are either winning the Super Bowl or they're losing this game. I think. Like they're gonna lose in a very stupid yeah. way where you can't believe it and you say, Why did I ever trust this team? Or they're just gonna keep uh keep going here. So uh from a Steelers perspective, I mean, Mike Tomlin just like dreams of this, right? Going on the road, snow game, ten point underdog, third straight quarterback. I mean, this is this, this is why he coaches. Like he, he, this is the this is the exact type situation he loves to be in. So uh, I've got the Bills winning the game. I do like the Steelers. Um, you know, to to keep it relatively competitive. Just when you look at the matchup, I mean, the Bills have issues at cornerback. What do the Steelers like to do? Just take advantage of those wide receivers a few times a game, and that's the offense. Uh, the the Steelers have really effectively and consistently run the football pretty well here, especially the second half of the season. So I think they can do that in this environment. Other side of the ball is a little tricky. No TJ Watt. 
in this game, we all know what their splits have been mm -hmm. with and without TJ Watt over the years. I mean, it's been a different defense. Uh, they do get Mika Fitzpatrick back, though, or, or at least it's looking, I was about to say. it's looking like. So that's a huge, huge deal. I mean, we're literally one of the best players overstate. in football. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also I know their 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 TJ Watt thing as well, but they have depth at outside linebacker that I like. Yet Nick Herbert on that's the field. That's true. Like, They've I got some good there. players there. Still. Safety for them without Minka. Holy Moses, dude! This is they desperately need Minka back, and they're getting him back. Thank goodness. So listen, it's it's very hard to predict any Bills game. It's very hard to predict any Steelers game. The Bills are so high variance, and the Steelers just have the ability to drag a team into the mud where you look up with four minutes left in the fourth quarter and go, how is this a three-point game? Uh, they've been outgained by 275 yards. What is happening here? I fully expect that's also the time slot. When I'm picking these games, but I'm like picturing myself and like the time, like Sunday at one, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, it's kind of like something weird. Didn't the Bills play the Dolphins at one on Sunday last year? I believe that was the one o'clock game against Skylar Thompson. On, oh yeah, I know that was not, I, that yeah. was definitely a sun was out game. Yeah, I remember that for sure. Yeah, there was sunlight outside, and it was just was like, on. what yeah. is happening here? Are they actually going to lose to Skylar Thompson? And they almost yeah. uh, did there. So I just I look at Bill's offensive numbers and like, all right, the only thing that's been good, like the only thing that's improved under Joe Brady, is less turnovers, which is noise. I look at the Steelers defense and the way that they generate turnovers. I look at that that Bill's defense, which okay, they've been playing so good down the stretch, but still structurally not the best defense against the run i look at the steelers under center heavy personnel Najee's a big guy that's such a when when that bills defense even when it was good like in 2022 and 2021 when it was bad it was because they have small players and they would go up against a big offense and they would stay in nickel and they would just get big boyed and i tell you the steelers just don't take darnell washington off the field and they don't take they take Najee off the field but they and they hand the ball to Najee, right they are a big man offense i think this is gonna I, this is gonna be six three steelers halfway through the third quarter and the collective football internet is going to be losing its mind, dude. I'm very excited. All right. For my Monday morning storyline, I'm going away from these games. My Monday morning storyline, Pete Carroll still wants to coach. This was, yes. I mean, he gave a great press conference after, uh, you know, after it was announced that, you know, maybe well, he might move upstairs. It was nothing definitive there. He made it very clear. Mm -hmm. So like with a line in there, I competed pretty hard to be the coach. Just so you know, he dropped a little breadcrumb. He didn't want to make the press conference about what he Which, by the way, competed. the best way to say yes. it, uh, I competed. Listen. Compete, Pete! Yeah. Compete! As someone who spent two years in the, those, those you, you have to learn. I went through a process. I had to learn the Pete Carroll language, the Pete Carroll vocabulary. How he speaks is different than any other person I've ever been around. One funny thing was when he would say a player had like a legit hamstring. Like that guy's might be dead. Like that person might. Yeah. He's never going to play football again, but he might <laughs> he not even be alive. He has a legit hamstring. Yeah. <laughs> means he legitimately doesn't have one. He has got one hamstring left. That's it. That's right. So Pete Carroll is 72 years old. Uh, he, he said it during that. He still has the energy. He still wants to coach. I'm curious whether there will be a spot for him. Um, but I think he's going to make it very clear. Uh, through his representation, through whoever. I think it could be on one of those Sunday morning shows, maybe a Jay Glazer, whoever, saying, uh, let, let's like, you know, Pete Carroll kind of slow played this a little bit in his press conference. He didn't want to make it about his future. But let's be honest, this guy is looking to get in the mix, looking to get um, be a candidate for all of these head coach openings around the NFL. Richard Sherman floated the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, Sherman spent, uh, was at that party with Pete Carroll after the announcement and he floated the Chargers, which I was like, 
that makes sense. Does that not like uh, Pete Carroll? Does. Does, does he bring Shane Waldron with him? You know, get a little Pete and Shane go with Justin Herbert team ready to win. At least a quarterback ready to win right now. Roster still needs a lot of help. He's got those Los Angeles roots from his time uh, in USC. Would that make sense? The, the, the other teams around the NFL, I was, I was like, I don't know if these other openings really make sense. I mean, Pete Carroll is so good at building a program from the ground up. But again, at his age, I don't know that that's like, this is a different spot than when he joined the Seahawks back in the day. So uh, I think Monday morning, he's going to announce pretty loudly. It might come before that. It might come Sunday that he still wants to be a coach. And we're going to see if any of these teams are interested in giving him what would be his fourth. And the best part of Pete, about Pete, when you talk to Pete, he loves talking about how he was fired in previous stops because and that has kind of shaped his like he loves when a player has been counted out or a UDFA and that guy rises right. to the top that those are that that's like what he loves uh out of life so he's been fired a third time Here it's the go. it's the very rare wikipedia page to go from head coach to head coach to head coach to head coach if he gets a fourth job with no coordinator in between usually see at least one coordinator yeah. senior defensive assistant so i think that that speaks to Pete uh, you're an owner. Are you dialing up Pete? You want him? Are you you like him as a candidate? I this is I like I'm on the fence. I I would if I were the Chargers, I would at least be be thinking about. It. I mean, just talk about from a just a vibe like a culture vibes perspective. Like it would be totally different with him. But I mean, listen, there are he hasn't been able to figure out the defense. Like we we have to call it what it is. I mean, he's had five or six years here where he's tried different things defensively, coordinators, schemes, players, and the defense has not been good offensively he's not shaping the offense but to his credit like their offenses have generally overachieved throughout his entire tenure there from a culture perspective you love it from an in-game management you don't love it so like there are a lot of things to weigh uh so i I don't have a definitive answer for you you i feel like would be a heck yeah i'm calling pete carroll even at this age yeah okay i i think pete can shape an organization the way that like bobby slowick can't you know what I'm saying? The logical Ooh, like, catching one in the big spot. Right. Which shout out Bobby. <laughs> but in general, the the logic is like, all right, you need to find a young offensive guy. Cause if you find a young offensive guy, then your offense and your play calling your quarterback will be set forever and you run the Shanahan system and then you fill in the gaps. And if a coach doesn't give you that, then it's like, you know, he's he's a tier two guy. And like I I generally understand the logic of that. Pete's been a, an NFL head coach for 15 years, right? Uh, uh Pete's been a head coach since the nineties. Pete can get into your organization and very quickly figure out what the other, what the past guys have been doing, what the, the current beliefs are, what the current habits are, the current practices are that are not good. They're not healthy for the organization. He can fix that. He is a floor raiser, man. If you're the chargers of the commanders where you've had a lot of ineptitude over time and you just, you, you need to just write the ship. You need to get the, the organization pointed the correct way. Like Washington with like new ownership, right? Like, I would like, can I get Pete in the building? And even if I'm, if I'm maxing out at wildcard games, I don't even think you are, but if you are maxing out at wildcard games, at least Pete is, is going to teach my organization how to run themselves, right? At least we're going to, we're going to get direction from a helmsman here. And then we can kind of reassess after a couple of years, see how many, how much gas Pete has left in the tank. 72 is 72, man. You'd be as youthful as you want. Eventually your, your, your eyes go, your ears go, you get old, man. Uh, and so I would, I would absolutely be bringing Pete in, especially if I felt like I was a salad dwelling team that needed to grow up. That's, that's Pete 101 right there. My wife has pointed out that Pete Carroll has not changed since we lived in Seattle in 2015 mm-hmm. and 2016. He looks and acts like the exact same guy. And I think the implication there was maybe I, you know, 
have aged a little more. You're a lot more jacked than you were back yeah. then. I agree. I've aged a little bit more than Pete since then. No, nope, focus on the jack. The jack is what's important. <laughs> All right. It's contest time. Denny's. Oh, now Souls. I got to find. Wait, no. Now I got to find the, the, you know the talking head thing of you and ESPN where you had hair back in Seattle. Okay. My favorite. Right. My favorite photo. Okay. You can, uh, you can go ahead uh, and do that. We got a contest here. We are going into the playoffs. For those of you who are just joining us, where have you been all season long? Here's what we do. We each pick a prop of the week that has to be minus 130 or better. That's worth one point. We each pick a long shot of the week. That's got to be plus 150 or higher. That's worth three points. And then we each come to the table with three locks of the week. These are picks against the spread. Those are each worth one point for a total of seven points. Now, so like, I think for the playoffs, we've kind of, you know, talked around this a little bit. I think there should just be seven points available every week. Otherwise it's like, you know, otherwise it's, it's, it's not for, so we stick with seven points available this week. It's easy. Next week. It's easy. I think for championship weekend and Super Bowl, like you still have your long shot. You still, you know, pick the games, but we still have it add up to seven. So if you want to pick a total or a prop, anything that's, uh, you know, uh, anything that's what, minus 130 yeah. or better, and just so it adds up to seven points. Does that make sense for you? I think that makes sense. Okay. Extra point taken, seven points, implied seven there points because of touchdowns. I think that's good. I think, yeah, I think the, uh, right, get a couple more long shots in there. That's where you're strong. Get a couple more. I guess I can't get any more locks in there because they're going to run out of games. So I'm going to have to figure out how to fix these props, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me. All right, there you go. We'll do it. Do you have the spreadsheet up from our friend uh, Luke with where we are here on the contest going in? Yes. The wild card weekend. What do we got? Yeah. Yeah, the regular season trophy uh, belongs to me. I There's no 15, regular 54. season trophy. We knew all along I got, this was going into I the I got playoffs. the first round by. I got the one seed. All right, I'm sitting this week. Uh, no, yeah, I had 50, 58, you had 54. I will say when Luke made this, this, the, uh, tracker, he only made 18 weeks. I, I, I just, I'm looking at the bottom of the spreadsheet here. So that's why it feels like there should be a Listen, trophy. And I trust end. Luke that um, he will adjust that now that we go yeah. into the playoffs. <laughs> uh, week 18, I had five points shield. You had three points. Uh, Josh Allen going over on the rushing yards, the Lions covering against the Vikings, and then the Chiefs covering plus three and a half on the road against the Chargers. Uh, those were your wins. That Chiefs game, man, got a nice, got a nice fumble rooski, 95 yards. Chargers scored like five field goals. That was that was a good win, man. That was a fun one. Uh, uh, for me, I had the Texans uh, on the road against the Colts covering and the Raiders uh, covering against the Broncos. And then my money line was the Titans to upset the Jaguars. Uh, uh, the final Vrabel, the, the last Vrabeling. Yeah. I got it in there. Uh, just as the door closed, that gave me three points, giving me five on the week. Um, I had James Cook to go over receiving yards, which lost. I had the Patriots to cover, which lost. You had the Ravens. Oh, they're driving to go score a, a potential touchdown. I there still at the feel end. good about that one. Goal. Yeah, I'm in on that. Oh, devastating. Uh, and then you got CJ Strouded just the week <laughs> after I did. You had him there go 275. He landed like 260 something. They couldn't get the ball just, back. That's, that's all they we couldn't do. get the ball yeah. back there against the Colts. Yeah, that hurt. Uh, six minutes left. Yeah, the uh, I think the the complaints of the Texans early down runs are far overstated, except for those weeks in which I'm betting on CJ Stroud passing yards. In which case, yeah, they should throw it more in first and ten. Uh, so yeah, that uh, 58 to 54 is the total over the course of the week. Uh, locks, uh, uh, I'm at 57 percent. You are at 37 percent. We are collectively at 47 percent. With me hitting a long shot and you not hitting a long shot now, which is like the first time that's happened in years. Um, I'm at 39% on long shots where you're at 44%. So I'm catching, I'm catching up to you there. I'm at 33% on props as embarrassing of a thing as I've done on the public airwaves in years. 
Uh, and you are at 56%. Uh, shout out to listener Chris, who I met uh, yesterday, Ben. He said, he said, love extra point taken. Uh, you guys have made made me a lot of money this year. And I go, what? Are you sure you're talking? Like, are you talking to the right guy here? And he said, no, no. One, he said, once you guys announced that, like, did the breakdown and said, like, Solak is doing much better on the against the spread picks mm-hmm. and Shields doing much better on the long shots uh, and the props. I just started like taking Ben's against the spread and she, and, and I'm like, oh, awesome. Good job. Good job by you, Chris. So, like, Absolutely. And the, the main thing for us here is transparency. All right. We don't promise to be good. We <laughs> yeah. promise to be very clear about how we're doing. And then you can go from there. <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's get to it. The prop uh, of the week. This is worth one point. What do you got, Solak? I wonder if oh, we have the I same really... one. I kind of have, a, I wonder if we have the same one for our prop of the week here because I had one that I liked and I feel like you might kind of like it too. Well, uh, we're about to find out because I accidentally closed my. Okay, uh, I'll start. Document. You find yours. Go ahead, please. Thank I'll you. start. I'm going Patrick Mahomes over 28.5 rushing yards. We're not taking Patrick Mahomes oh. throwing the football, we're taking Patrick Mahomes running the football. He's gone over that number, 28 and a half, in seven of 14 playoff games. In the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes goes into, I have to make a play mode. We see this year in and year out. Uh, And this year, he was doing that a lot in the regular season, to be quite honest, because we know he doesn't trust these wide receivers. Uh, In the regular season, Patrick Mahomes averaged 24.3 rushing yards per game. That was a career high. Last week, I took Josh Allen rushing yards against this Dolphins defense. Obviously, Allen's used more in the designed run game, the option running game, uh, but I still think he was picking up a lot of those on scrambles. There's going to be openings against this Dolphins defense. It's going to be freezing. You're not going to want to throw the ball a lot. I think Mahomes just needs, what, three, four scrambles in this game, pick up a couple first downs, and he can get over 28.5. So there you go. That is my prop of the week. Patrick Mahomes over 28 and a half rushing yards. So I tell you, we're not on we're not on the same one because I uh, uh, I didn't I didn't go for that game. I think that game is just a really challenging game to handicap, given or handicap the prop market specifically, given the nature of the weather. But in a uh, uh, a Patrick Mahomes rushing over in a postseason game is never a bad bet. Not even once has that been a bad bet. Not in history. Uh, the little scoots, the little runarounds. I think it'll be good. I'll be curious how many times they drop back. That's that's the thing is he might need to get those on on fewer dropbacks than usual because you don't know how much they're going to be doing it. I think again it's going to be a shorter game too because of the because uh, of the run script and so I like it. Uh, I am going and yeah I, I'm glad I opened this because I did change this last night. I wasn't sure if I did or not. Uh, I'm going with Najee Harris over 16 and a half rushing yards. I'm committing to uh, uh, the Steelers run game script there against the Bills. I think it makes sense for them uh, to keep Josh Allen on the other side of the field. I think it makes sense for them in the weather. I think it makes sense for them against the defense. The only thing that doesn't make sense, and the reason why this number is a little bit low, is the game script. It's the expectation that the Steelers are down by multiple scores fast enough that they have to move away from the rushing game. But one of the things that you've seen from the Steelers this year is that they actually they don't do that until pretty late. They don't go into like full pass happy. Okay, we need to get points until they are, they're down like the fourth quarter. They'll come out in the second half down multiple scores and still be running the ball. Like, I think they understand that's where their bread is buttered. Uh, since the offensive coaching staff change uh matt canada out mike sullivan becoming the new offensive play caller you've seen Najee's run volume go up a little bit and Jalen warren's receiving volume kind of catch a little bit more they, they were a little bit more of an even timeshare in terms of handoffs before the canada change obviously the last two games for Najee harris 
27 and 26 carries respectively in wins uh and so they, they had the script for it they had 19 against the, the the Bengals the week previous he's been their primary their ball carrier and it makes sense for this this uh this this game environment so his rush attempts are at 15 and a half and his, his total yards is at 16 and a half I think he's got a better chance to rip off some explosives than people realize it, uh, Najee gets a bad rap for his explosives because Warren is objectively more explosive but Najee still breaks tackles and, and beats contact the line of scrimmage and creates yards after the run. It's just Warren is just really, really good in that environment. Uh, and so I think against, again, the smaller Bills group, they've had linebacker injuries. Uh, you can see Najee rip off a couple of nice ones. So over 16 and a half rushing yards for Najee. I like it for the game script that I project, but even if I don't get that game script, I still think it's it's quite possible he gets over this number. Yeah, I like that one. I was actually looking at that one. This is the best Najee Harris has played in his career. I mean, he, he is playing mm-hmm. really well right now, really the second half or so um, of this year. He's played at a high level, so I do like that one. All right, long shot of the week. This is plus 150 or higher. I kept it simple. I'm going to Dallas on, when is this game dead? This is Sunday afternoon, late this late window. Sunday afternoon, yep. And I'm going Dak Prescott, 300 plus passing yards. This is at plus 168. Dak Prescott at home this season has averaged 309 passing yards per game. I don't like this Packers defense. I said it over and over no, again. Sir. It's very gettable. Uh, this is a great matchup for Dak Prescott. This is a Packers defense that made Bryce Young look fantastic. It made Tommy Cutlets look like Michael Vick in that uh, in that one Monday night game. I mean, I, I know they played well the last couple games of the season, but I, I think and we'll get to the picks later. I'm not saying that the Cowboys are going to blow the Packers out, but I do have a hard time seeing a scenario where Green Bay's defense consistently slows down the Cowboys' offense and the Cowboys' passing game. Cowboys cannot run the ball effectively, so I think Dak Prescott's going to get plenty of opportunities. If this ends up being a game where Jordan Love plays well, well, now all of a sudden you're still going to have to uh, throw the football. So I just feel like there are a lot of scenarios here where Dak Prescott gets plenty of attempts. We know he can make plays downfield. We know CeeDee Lamb can get some of those yards uh, after the catch. So I'm just going straight out. Dak Prescott, get me 300 or more passing yards in this game. That's plus 168. That's my long shot of the week. Yeah. The, uh, how, to, how to get Cowboys exposure against this Joe Barry defense is the, has been a riddle for me this week because if there's anything I can predict well in that game, it's that the Cowboys are going to score points. The, 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 how the Packers score points and if they score points is, is the, like the interesting conversation. The nice and neat conversation is Cowboys going to move the ball through the air and they're not going to have a problem doing it. CD Lamb set at 7.5 receptions and 100.5 yards. Crazy. I was looking at the reception. When you yeah. see an over-under for a receiver, 100 or over, you're like, wow. Yeah. But still, you're uh, tempted to take yeah. the over, right? It's Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill numbers, right? Yeah. In terms of what typically gets posted for them. Uh, I wanted to do over 7.5. That was one of the first things I looked for this week. It's minus 148 right now. It wouldn't even qualify for <laughs> oh our, juice, our juice limitations. Eight catches. Right? I mean, it's hard to yeah. get eight catches yeah. in a football game. His, his projection for for nine plus catches is just plus 114 right like he's like (laughs) because the thing is like barry doesn't just let you funnel targets to wide receiver one he lets you do it underneath it's gonna be an unbelievably high volume game uh for cd lamb and the uh the the challenge for the packers is tackling like whenever we talk about postseason football i say every single time like this is where tackling becomes so 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 important your body's banged up everybody's hurt a little bit you have to be able to tackle uh Cowboys are really tough. CeeDee Lamb is so hard to tackle in space. And Jair Alexander rolled his ankle this week and potentially not going to play right. for this game. So you got all that young secondary out there. You got a, 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 a slower safety room. Jonathan Owens back there. I mean, you I, I, in the first quarter of this game, a CeeDee Lamb throw that is within five yards of the line of scrimmage will go for 20 yards. And you're just going to be like, all right, 
It's going to be all game, isn't it? And it probably will be for the Packers. Um, I'm fascinated. That game is really, really interesting to me. I, I'm I, a lot of I'm, I'm on Packers plus seven and a half from earlier in the week. And a lot of my numbers tell me and like, like something I look at is like, yeah, Packers are clear value at plus seven. Oh, it's, it's such a young team. It's so scary. Yeah. I want that game to be close. I want to be within one score. I think it can and will be within one score. It's hard to put my back into it on this pod, though, just because of the youth, youth there for, for Green Bay. All right. What do you got? What's your long shot of the week? Yep. Uh, we are taking the two alternate unders in the two disgusting weather games. Mm. And that's how we're going to get the plus 150 nice and easy. Uh, Steelers bills a total, which is currently at 36 and a half. Uh, we're going to take up to 39 and a half, go under that number. Uh, Dolphins chiefs, which uh, is currently at 43 and a half shield. When this opened, it was like 47 and a half. This number has fallen like more than a field goal. Uh, currently at 43 and a half, we're going to take that to 45 and a half. So Steelers under 39 and a half. Dolphins Chiefs under 45 and a half. When you parlay those together, you get to plus 156. Uh, I think that the Chiefs and Dolphins, there's defensive advantages in those matchups schematically already. Like I said, I like Spags against Tua. I like the Dolphins and that, that generally very improved defense, even with their injuries against the Chiefs offense that's just struggled to matriculate the football. Add in the weather and you like it a lot. Steelers Bills, I think that you generally like the ability for that to be a, a slow uh, a faster game a game that then involves a lot of ground and pound for the Steelers shorten that game and then especially so because of the weather I think the weather in the gust is going to limit the potential for big throws down the field which is a big part of Josh Allen's game certainly has been a part of Mason Rudolph's game he's still leaving the liability for the catch and run right he's still living a liability for the Najee Harris big run and the George Pickens big run and like all that is still possible I think that one's a little bit dicier especially 39 and a half it's a low 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 number um, but if you get both those together, you get plus 156. I like the unders in both of those games uh, 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 on their own. And we don't really do totals in this. So that's how I get my totals exposure. Plus 156 for my long shot. Yeah, the weather is always like when you said the, you know, the gust, it's like what gust would actually affect a Josh Allen throw? I mean, with it, it's, it's a good it's a good experiment with his with his if 50 miles per hour doesn't. I don't know what does, man. I mean, that's a yeah. wind tunnel right there. Yeah, the, the, the weather conversation is always so interesting. I mean, I remember covering that Eagles Lions game. Uh, back in the day with Chip Kelly, where it was like, no, no, you, if it's snowy, you can actually pass uh, pass more because the receivers know where they're going and it's hard for the corners to change direction. Like I think it was uh, Kerry Williams, the Eagles cornerback, told Chip Kelly that on the sideline, they start throwing the football a little bit, make some plays. I think it generally slows down the pass rush. You'll hear from offensive linemen, um, you know, retired offensive linemen and pass rushers that the snow, uh, the wetness is, is definitely not good uh, for pass rushers. So maybe you give a little bit of an edge to the offensive line there, but it's always so hard to figure out exactly how those things are going to affect the games. All right, take one more break. We'll come back. Nonsense predictions and then our locks of the week, which I still don't know what three games I'm picking. So I will pick them for the moment. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was 
a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, we are back on Extra Point Taken. So, like, what's a weird thing that is going to happen this weekend? What do you got? Yeah, you remember before the Steelers-Eagles Monday Night Football game? where uh, Not Steelers, excuse me, Seahawks-Eagles Monday Night Football game, where, like, they opened that day, and they were just like, yeah, um, Matt Patricia's the defensive coach now. Like, remember how we got, like, just nice, oh, great baby. sourcing? Yes. No, but we got an Eagles Monday Night Football game here against the Buccaneers. And it's been sketchy for the Eagles down the stretch. Lost five of the last six. Just been real ugly. Team's falling apart. AJ Brown not giving comments and then making comments to clarify why he's not making comments. And Jalen Hurts saying he's appreciative that AJ Brown made the comments to clarify why he's not making the comments. And then AJ Brown hasn't practiced with a knee injury. And Jalen Hurts like, yeah, I haven't thrown the football yet this week because I hit busted my finger up against the Giants. This is a disarray. We got, uh, you know, leaks about who promoted Patricia and why they promoted Patricia. We've got... You know, oh, uh, you know, us at, on Philly Special and other Eagles people have been like, how serious is, is, is Sirianni's job security? We are getting at some point on Monday, right? It's going to be five playoff games done. We're, you know, coming into this Eagles-Bucks game, we are going to get some report in the lead up, right? Is the ESPN, somebody's going to come out with. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni is not coaching for his job against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. However, in the event of a loss, there will be an evaluation process, which is what coaching for your job means, basically. Uh, there will be an evaluation process that may lead to decisions. Sources are saying this feels like the Doug Peterson era. Sources are saying Harry Roseman has more influence on the coaching staff. Just the same stuff we've always heard about the team, but just all coalesced. The fact that the Eagles are that island game all but guarantees that something is going to come out beforehand about the state of the team and, and, and the stakes of this Buccaneers loss. There is no way to, to minimize this game for Philadelphia. Like, you... you, you Walked into the season as the NFC champions. Yeah, at one point, you were the one lost team. You were in control of your destiny. And you have imploded in dramatic fashion. And like the uh, the the numbers for teams that have a record like this, but still a poor, a poor point differential, they are not good in the postseason. They're typically one and dones. Jalen Hurts is going up against Todd Bowles, uh, a coordinator up against whom he has a career 36% success rate shield. Like they're, they're, there's a chance the Eagles don't just lose this game. They lose it ugly. And I think you're going to see in the preamble to this game reporting to that end of like oh well if the eagles lose this like there might be changes i don't know if they'll be true or not but the eagles never avoid drama in circumstances like this and so nonsense prediction i'm expecting drama before that game yeah i always say it's stupid for an organization to make a decision on a coach based on the outcome of just one game however this would be like the continuation of uh, of like a seven eight week complete disaster meltdown collapse the likes of which we've almost never seen really in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to really predict. Like, everything is in play. If you go to Tampa as favorites and you lose that game in ugly fashion, which you're saying, come on, that's not going to Well, they just, like, they were down 24 nothing to the Tarod Taylor Giants. They got, they allowed four straight touchdowns 
to the Kyler Murray Cardinals. Like they, they can't get lined up on defense. Forget about playing well uh, or anything like that. Like a little motion and all of a sudden this defense is completely confused. A little 13 personnel and they don't know who's supposed to be in what what gap and they're, they're still figuring it out as the ball is snapped. So yeah, all those things are in play. There's so much mystery. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Friday morning. And so like you said, we don't know about Jalen Hurts' status. We don't know about uh, A.J. Brown's status. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Did not practice on Thursday. We think he's going to play, but he's got rib and ankle injury. So, uh, so this, yeah. this is just a hard Let's game. Let's get a little to, Kyle Trask, Marcus Mariota oh wild card game, baby. Yeah. Let, let's on do Monday it. night. Troy Aikman would let out. Troy Aikman to hear what he would say about that would be pretty fun about getting stuck to stuck calling Kyle Trask versus Marcus Mariota. So, okay, I like that one. Uh, that's a good one. I've got all right. I'm going to go with go with this one. I think Jared Goff at some point will get caught saying something to like a teammate or a coach on the sideline about Sean McVay. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. if you're Jared Goff, how could you not be looking at this matchup and just being like, screw that guy? You know, like even when I was playing well, uh, all the stories were about how McVay was, um, I was his little puppet and he was telling me what to do until 15 <laughs> in the headset. And then, oh, he just told me throw the ball here and it's so easy. I just threw the ball there. Anyone could have done it. Yeah, even though we're going to the Super Bowl uh, and then things go south. And McVeigh's already courting Stafford, and they're attaching a first-round pick to your name, to your contract, to get rid of you. And now look at you. You went to Detroit, a place where nobody could win, and you went there, and you had a monster season for the Detroit Lions, and you played under a different offensive coordinator with different surrounding pieces. And guess what? You played really well, and now you're hosting a playoff game. So um, I don't know. Like You can just read between the lines. I think Jared Goff is a, like, he seems like a high-character guy where he's not going to want to really say anything. But you can read between the lines about how he felt about uh, how that ended in Los Angeles, and it's understandable. Uh, and I think there'll be some kind, I don't know what the controversy will be. There'll be something like, I, I was going to say he's, he, they don't shake hands, but I don't know. I feel like he'll, sh- he'll shake his hand. But there'll be something, or maybe something in the locker room where Campbell will say like, you know, we knew how much, they, if they win, we knew how much this one meant to Jared or something. Everybody starts going nuts and he shows more emotion than he does. There will be a Jared Goff moment if the Lions win this football game uh, on Sunday night mm-hmm. that I'm looking forward to. I strongly agree. I think <laughs> that I, like I strongly agree. I think what I'm hoping for is a little like Jared Goff, like one of those scrambles where you're like, don't do this, buddy. Like, why are you running? But he is right. And like it's first and 10, he gets knocked out of the side, like second and six. Like, it's not even, like a significant pickup, but he kind of like when he gets up on the Rams sideline, like Sean's right there. And there's kind of just like a little like awkward, like, oh, tap, tap, like, oh, hello, whatever, you know, something like, like that. Like it, And like the cameras catch it. You see Jared Goff, like, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, hustling back, whatever. And everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. And then the Lions win. And then everybody's saying hi at the end of the game. They go, good job, congratulations, whatever. And Goff's saying hi to all of his Rams friends. And then he sees McVeigh and they do the same thing. Like, oh, hello, you know, what's up? Yeah, you've been good. Okay, great. And they just kind of zoom by. And then people are playing those two clips over and over again for the next three days. It's like awkward hellos. Uh, that's the most juice Jared Goff can bring, right? It's, it, I, I think that's that's maximum for him in yeah. terms of drama. He's not going to get anybody's face. Um, but I think, right, like the... The Stafford return to Detroit is such a huge narrative of this game. I wrote about it like it's a big deal. Um, but Goff against McVay, I'll never like uh, when I was out there for training camp and I was talking to Ben Johnson, their OC, about the the offense and how they kind of put it together because they cribbed so much McVay stuff. I'll never forget because the most like eye popping line was he said um, uh, all Jared knew when he was growing up in the league is the McVay offense. And then he said, I- I'm reading from my piece. 
So I think it's been a little eye-opening to him to find out there isn't necessarily a right way or wrong way. It's just what McVeigh believes in. And I was like, oh, that's a little spicy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh. And uh, it was surprising to him to learn there's other way to do things when he came here to Detroit. Like, I have a little lull dig at, the, at Sean. I love it. Um, that that tension is very much there for Jared. Absolutely. And, and that's something that you always hit where like I think people are always like, oh, you know, it was so tough for Sean to deal with Jared. That, that sucks for Jared to hear, uh, especially with him being as successful as he is. So, yeah, I think like I'm not picking this game for my locks. I do think Detroit wins it. I think Detroit's in a, in a, in a great spot motivation wise. I think they're in a great spot. Uh, they're, they're a young team and a hungry team, but they have veteran leaders who've been in the postseason before and they know how to do it. I think they're in a great spot because they can win games in multiple ways on offense. I really I think they're going to have I, so many people are picking the Rams. This this feels to me like a Lions spot for sure. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, let's just go over that now. I'm not picking this game either. I mean, this was the hardest game. I started the week. I was Rams plus three. Felt good about it. The week went on and I switched. Official pick on the ringer.com. Lions minus three. I think, yes, sir. I think this is a pretty evenly matched game. And I think the thing I don't want to say no one talks about because I hate when people say no one talks about because there's like 7,000 podcasts and websites and columns and Twitter. Someone has talked about there's this. Just, there's just this one podcast yeah. in Dual Thread. There's yeah. only two podcasts. Someone has talked Sorry about, about this. I haven't talked about it on this podcast. The Rams special teams is so, 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 so historically bad. Like not only the worst special teams DVOA in the NFL this year, mm -hmm. if you look at DVOA, like this is an all-time bad special teams unit. And so I'm looking at that in a tight spot where they don't really have a great kicking situation, where the Lions have my guy Dave Fipp coordinating their special teams, and they're doing creative stuff. Yeah. Like, I was at a Dave Fipp press conference last week. He's still doing Dave he's Fipp still stuff, got man. It. He's the bomb. So, so you got the Lions with an edge there. And then the other thing, which we don't talk about, which I want to bring up here, in-game decision-making. This is a blind spot for everyone on that Shanahan, McVeigh. Like they, this is when it shows up. It doesn't show up during the season because they're blowing teams out, and they're awesome at most aspects of their job. But in a big spot, in terms of should I kick it? Should I go on fourth down? How do I manage the clock? Timeouts. McVeigh, that's been a blind spot for Sean McVeigh. He is not good at that. And Dan Campbell, listen, you can point to the emotional two-point conversion stuff against the Cowboys. I get that. Overall, Campbell's game in-game management, I like a lot. He's aggressive. He's not. He doesn't coach mm -hmm. scared. And I think in an offensive game like this, that's going to give the Lions an edge. I'm not telling you they're always going to get it, but he's going to make the decision that he feels like is aggressive and gives his offense a chance. McVay, I think, might coach a little bit scared in this game in those spots. So for those two reasons, I switched to the Lions. I've got Lions minus three in this football game. Yeah, This is the GOAT fake punt team against the team they can't cover a regular punt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to uh, play a factor. It, the, yeah. The special teams note is such a good one, an important one, because teams like teams gets misunderstood overall like okay like who plays on it what does it mean whatever like teams is typically where your young players go to develop right, right? you keep them on the roster and they're learning and practice but you're getting them reps on teams well with the rams like all their young players just starters play on yeah. offense and defense <laughs> they, they don't got time for teams man we need all y'all starting and so they like that's what's you you watch how this team is, has has come together successfully on offense and defense with so many late drafted rookies so many young players you're like how did they pull this off? And then you see the state of their special teams. You're like, oh, that's the price of doing business. And it, it, it brings kind of the team full circles. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if special teams has an impactful play in this game. Uh, the, the, uh, the emotions in this one, man. Uh, uh, 
who who handles them the best like between like Sean with the experience Campbell with the juice like the head coach who wins this game is going to be the team who who he handles his team's emotions the best to bring up oh like the Packers are a young team the Rams they have postseason experience but a lot of young players on this team did not play in that last big postseason run so they're also a young team not a lot of postseason experience they're gonna be on the road in an extremely hostile environment like it's it's it, this is a this is a this is a feather in the cap head coaching game for sure winner of this game it's it's gonna be a good head coaching job all right Let's get to it. The good stuff, the stuff you've been waiting for. The locks of the week. I've got the FanDuel page in front of me. Let's make sure none of these lines have changed. We'll get the most updated lines here. These are just picks against the spread, each worth one point. Zolak. Now, I got to do a little game theory here because I really shouldn't pick the same games as you. I've got ground to make up, so that does nothing for me. So I, yeah, well, I mean, we'll still go back and forth one V one, but uh, I probably should stay away. Even if I like a game, if, if you're picking the same side, all right, what do you got? What's your first one? All right. My first game is chiefs minus four and a half, uh, which I know you, you lean, it sounded like you leaned like potentially on the dolphins covering on this. You thought this was going to be close. Uh, this was three and a half earlier in the week. It's moved to four and a half uh, dolphins injuries. I think have been a big part of that. Uh, I, I think the home field advantage for the chiefs is, is, is substantial. Uh, you've seen this Dolphins offense just generally struggle on the road because of the snap count concerns, right? When you mo- when you motion this much, it's hard to go silent count, and that's what the Dolphins have to do in really loud environments like uh, a Chiefs home stadium, whose new name I can't recall. Uh, and so I think in the road, just in general, you have you have trouble with, with for the Dolphins offense. I think in this cold weather, you're going to see that impact the Dolphins offense more than the Chiefs offense because I think they struggle to ground and pound. They struggle to play with size and physicality, which is what you want to do in the cold weather. So I think that's going to be an issue for them. I think you've seen Tua really struggle against playoff caliber defenses over the last month, month and a half of the season. And I think that you saw him specifically struggle against Spags in, in a very understandable a, a way that's to the nature of their offense. You can't really change it uh, when they played in Germany. I think you've got the Jalen Waddle injury. Like, uh, there's just a lot lining up right now against the Dolphins. Uh, it, it's hard for me to, as a guy who like had a lot of Dolphins belief entering the season, they just got really unhealthy at the wrong time. And, and they drew, I think, a bad matchup in, in, in round one. Chiefs minus four and a half. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, ton of postseason experience. New season, clean slate, go one and zero every week. I like them to have a nice, comfortable win against the Dolphins. All right, I was on the fence for this one, but let's go ahead and do it. Team content over here. I'll take the other side. Give me the Dolphins plus four and a half in this game. Everything you said is true. All the trends point to a Chiefs win here. Uh, Cold weather, Dolphins versus playoff teams, all those things. But I like being on the side where I feel like not a lot of people are going to be uh, on this side. And I think there's a path for the Dolphins to win this game. You, you spelled it out earlier uh, well that they're not a power running team, but I still think they're going to be able to run the football a little bit against this Chiefs team, shrink the game yeah. a little bit. I mean, listen, I'm not telling you there's a coordinator who can take this Dolphins defense and make something out of it in a big spot against Mahomes and Andy Reid. But if there is one... You got the guy we've been talking. I mean, Vic, how many times has Vic Fangio been mentioned on the Ringer NFL show in the last five years as Uncle like Vic. the guy? I mean, this is the guy, the veteran. He's seen it all. He's been in big games. If anyone can come up with a game plan, by the way, they did a good job against that Chiefs offense in that uh, in that Germany game. I mean, the Chiefs had, what, 267 yards in that game. Now, it was different personnel. I get it. The Dolphins are all kinds of banged up in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them get blown out. Uh, however, I don't believe in that Chiefs offense. They haven't earned my trust. They're not good at offensive tackle. They're not good at wide receiver. Uh, and Mike McDaniel, 
This is a show me something game, Mike McDaniel. Let's go. You built your name on the run game, right? This is, you need a plan B here. The second half of the season didn't go the way you wanted. Design something. Let's have, let's have uh, a show on Monday where Solak and I are saying, Oh my goodness, Mike McDaniel, what you did to Spags there. I could be saying, oh my goodness, Mike McDaniel <laughs> after every week. It's just eventually people get tired of that, so I don't do it anymore. So there you go. So all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Dolphins plus four and a half. All right, what's your next pick? Good fade. Uh, Bucks plus three. Uh, we got this number down to plus three, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy we got it at the field goal. I'll be taking it. Again, does the field goal matter? Nope. But you can't push in this spot in this competition. <laughs> do I still do it out of instinct? Absolutely. Uh. I like the Bucks when this opened and this line has moved towards the Eagles over the course of the week. I think that that's largely uh, 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 a belief in, in you know, the, the long scope of this team and the season long numbers in this team. You and I cover the Eagles pretty closely. They're a very challenging team to have any sort of faith in. They feel like a one, two, three Cancun team. They feel like, you know, a team has got some old players on it that, that uh, you know, have seen a long season and they see what contending and championship teams look like. And they know it doesn't look like this. And they're kind of just trying to get through it. Um, uh, this is a bad matchup for them. Like I said, the Todd Bowles defense typically very good against Jalen Hurts. Hurts, uh, numbers from next-gen stats here. Hurts has faced more six-plus man pressures than any quarterback in the league, and he's bottom three against six-man pressures. In the league, he's 31st in completion percentage over expectation. He's 30th in yards per attempt. He, this, this team, both in terms of Hurts' individual play style and in terms of their structure, don't have the answer to the blitz. They don't. And Todd Bowles lives on the blitz. Uh, it's a bad, bad, bad matchup for them. Defensively, uh, this Eagles unit is, is is a bottom three unit over the course of the season. It's certainly been a bottom three unit in almost every metric since Patricia took over. And this Bucks offense, not, you know, oh, scary playoff offense, but a very competent, extremely functional offense, especially with Baker out there. Expect Baker to play and tough it out. Uh, they have the ability to run the ball in this team and throw the ball in this team. You've seen uh, bad offenses. Cardinals and Giants have success doing those very same things over the last couple of weeks. There's no, uh, you know, Oh, playoffs juice coming around the mountain for the Eagles. Like that's a nice like 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 for the Chiefs. Like oh, you expect like a playoff bump, right? Okay, it's like a professional team and a good coach, championship caliber team. Like they're gonna like look you know control in the postseason. That's not coming around the mountain for the Eagles. That's a nice idea, but that's not happening because uh, the the coaching staff doesn't have a handle over the team right now, uh, and team leadership is having is having struggles right now uh, in terms of the locker room. And so uh, I, I think the Eagles come out and are a bit dead on the road, a little bit of a, 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 of a, a lame duck in the water. Uh, and I think Bucks plus three is, is is a nice line to get. So I like Tampa to win it overall, to be honest. Uh, but plus three, I'll I'll just take that. Uh, not one of my picks for the week, but I'm with you. I picked the Bucks to win this game. It's just hard for me right now, not knowing exactly who's going to play to make that one of my locks of the week. But you spelled it out perfectly. I mean, you can't watch this Eagles defense on film from the last two weeks and feel confident that they're going to do anything uh, in this game. So I think if they win this game, it will be because offensively. Uh, they're able to move the football, which when they played the Bucks earlier this season, to their credit, they had like 470 yards. So they did it once against Todd Bowles defense earlier in the season. The Eagles are obviously not playing as well right now, but that's kind of their path to victory. So I'm not touching this game, uh, but my official prediction, I think I went Bucks 27, Eagles 23 in this football game. All right, my next lock. So like I'm going to the first game Saturday. I think you're on the opposite side of this. I've got the Cleveland Browns minus two and a half at the Houston. Glad, Texans. I was gonna, I was worried we weren't going to talk about this game at all. And I was yeah, we haven't talked yet, about so it. Yeah. yeah. Good, yeah. So I've, I've got the Browns uh, in this spot. Generally don't like taking a road favorite. Do not like going up against CJ Stroud. I like being on the Stroud side. So fun. I like just rooting for him. Yes. Throw some bombs, uh, make some ridiculous throws, that kind of thing. But I like the Browns in this spot for a couple of reasons. One, 
This Browns team plays a ton of man coverage, fourth highest rate in the NFL. Stroud against man coverage this year, 27th out of 32 quarterbacks in EPA per pass play. I don't think that's like an indictment of Stroud. I think, you know, you look at some of the limitations with the personnel um, around him. And again, it's a small sample size. It might not mean anything. He could come out and shred their man coverage, but that's what we have to go on from this season. Now, big key here, big caveat, Denzel Ward has the injury during practice this Mm -hmm. week. So that Browns man coverage is not nearly uh, as powerful if Ward is not on the field. So that's something to keep an eye on leading up to game time. But I still trust this Browns defense quite a bit going up against that Texans offense. Uh, And then the other side, you know, Joe Flacco threw for 368 against this defense a few weeks ago. They didn't have Will Anderson. They didn't have Grenard. Both those guys, I think, are questionable for this game. I think Anderson, at least, you expect him to play. But I think yeah. he played 29 snaps last week, so he's not going to be in there as a full-time player. He, he's kind of battling through it. Um, so uh, I, I think Flacco will be able to move the football. I mean, listen, he's, he's just throwing bombs. Either they're going to get intercepted or they're going to go for 55-yard catches, one or the other. So he'll give the Texans opportunities. I, I could certainly see a scenario where the Texans turn him over and they win this football game. Uh, but I, I think the the Browns and st- the way Stefanski has schemed things up, I think they'll have opportunities to move the ball. And then the last thing, love D'Amico Ryans, has done a fantastic job. The game management thing, like I gave it to Campbell over McVay, I'm giving that to Stefanski over D'Amico Ryans. I think Ryans' defensive head coaches can be a little bit conservative uh, in these spots. I think you saw that a little bit in that Colts game. Stefanski, I think he's more, you know, he's been data driven. He'll go with the analytics, which, uh, you know, I'm a nerd and, you know, I like that. And so I think his in-game decision making will be a little bit more uh, aggressive, a little bit more buttoned up. And so uh, I like the Texans in what should be a fun game Saturday afternoon. Yeah, so uh, the the matchup here, Stroud against this defense, man. Appointment viewing. Yeah, I cut you for it, the, the, you brought up the man coverage been a big delta for Stroud versus zone versus man uh the uh the pressure has been another thing right Stroud one of the most impacted quarterbacks when pressured versus when not pressured now when you go and you and you and you rip through the reps so I went and I watched through a lot of the man cover stuff and a lot of the pressure stuff this week to try to understand it a lot of it is because Stroud's just like I was gonna say gotta chill he doesn't have to chill he should do whatever he wants forever but he has to chill a little bit where like if he's like all right pressure's coming he's like well I got a post. It's going to open. Yeet. And he just try, like, like, think about that Nico Collins uh, pressure throw against the Colts on the game winning drive where he's like, all right, well, there's some space over there. So if I just hang this out here, like he is already big game hunting. And then when he gets man coverage and especially when he gets pressured, he just ratchets up to an 11. He, whoever's deepest is getting the ball. And that's sick. It's heavy metal. I love to watch it probably over the course of his career. You'd like for him to get to a point where that's not his auto program when he gets like a when color flashes in front of him. Uh, the thing is that, okay, like the man coverage and the pressure, uh, you, you can use different buckets and you can make it look way better, right? Like uh, 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 the, the Browns lead the league in middle of the field close coverage. Stroud is third in the league in adjusting eight yards per attempt. He's 10th in the league in EPA per drop back. He's got 12 touchdowns to one interception against man coverage or against, against middle of the field close, excuse me. So when they're in single high, He's great. Like a lot of the a lot of the buckets, they don't catch how good a quarterback is, right? They catch his tendencies. Like he leads the league in air yards per attempt against middle of the field close. Like he's just it, he's just this game is going to be Stroud shooting. It's going to be him shooting all game long. So you'd love to have a tank Dell in this. So you'd love the ability to hit the guy and have him be running and go finish it. But Nico Collins can run after the catch. Uh and, and you saw how Nico was able to be a takeover player for them. Nico's been an unbelievable, like I want to get him on my all pro team. He's been a legitimate top 10 talented receiver this year. 
okay, but he's going to match up against Denzel Ward. And then Ward gets that injury and you're like, ah, like Greg Newsom is good. Martin Emerson is good. The Browns absolutely have their guys. Um, but in general, like it's got to be a game where Nico wins on the outside. And with no Denzel Ward, man coverage makes it a lot easier for him. So I think you, I looked a lot at, at Nico receiving yards and Nico uh, alternate lines to get to the long shot this week. So I think it's going to be a high funnel game for him. I think it's going to be successful. I said on Monday that this is a, the sort of defense that Stroud has been successful against. And we had a listener email me and be like, but I thought that like the Jim Schwartz defense so good against the Kyle Shanahan offense, something we talked about a lot and they were right to uh, that this middle of the field closed coverage is what I'm talking about. Getting single high allows you to throw all these in breakers. You really want to throw in this offense. That's a big help. And then Schwartz beats Shanahan because Shanahan tries to run the ball, right? And Shanahan wants to build it through the running game. The Texans try to run it, but it stinks. That's like, they're going to suffer in the running game. If they try to be a, a run, run pass team, if they try to yeah. be a, a control the ball team and, and, and matriculate it down the field, they're going to lose this game. They cannot win that battle in the trenches. They cannot win that, that team speed battle against the Browns. Grant Delpit potentially coming back for this game. Delpit's having a career season at safety for the Browns. That's a nightmare situation. So I think they're going to be pass happy. And I think the Browns are also play game script wise going to get them in a pass happy spot. And then it's going to be Stroud fireworks. And I, I can't wait to see that. So I, I think that the, the, the Stroud matchup into this Browns defense, I think, I think like a lot of people are like, Oh, like man coverage or pressure. Like it's not good for Stroud. I think he matches up better than people realize. And then when the, but when the ball is held by the Browns, the return of Grenard and Will Anderson can't go overstated. You got to be able to, pre- they couldn't pressure Flacco at all, dude. You, I, I remember uh, I took that the Browns to cover in that game. That, that was the second case Keenum game. Was, yeah, there was no chance that they're winning. This case was not not great for them. They, uh, with with Grenard and Anderson back and the ability to pressure Flacco, I, I think Texans defense can be better than people realize. They're going to give up explosives. They're going to give up big throws and big touchdowns. They always have all season, but they're going to get sacks too. And it's going to stop some drives to keep them in this. I like Texans plus two and a half. I'm not picking it, but that's the side that I'm on. All right, there you go. All right, what do you have? What is your final lock of the week? You want Steelers plus 10 or Packers plus seven? Those are the two I'm literally debating between. So you pick and I'll take the other one. I mean, right. you, you're so on the Steelers. I feel like you, you got oh, yeah. to get the Steelers. Steelers plus 10 is what I actually have written down. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I mean, like at this point, got a lot of exposure on the Steelers. I got this under. I got the Najee rushing yards. I got Pittsburgh plus 10. So if their defense <laughs> gives up three Josh Allen touchdowns in the first three drives, I'm just dead in the water for this week. Get Shield back in the competition. It'd be a good time. Uh, Pittsburgh plus 10. I think I think if I'm going to be on the under in a game with with 36, now 35 and a half points since we started recording this, uh, if I'm going to be uh, on, on the under in that game and I got a plus 10 available, mathematically speaking, most games that stay under 35, <laughs> the plus 10 is going to hit. Uh, it, it, it's a nice overlap. This is a like it's it's legitimately quite rare in league history, regular season or postseason to have a game with a total this low and a spread this wide. It like the Steelers implied point total is 12, dude. It's wild. It's I, and I don't think I think the Bills defense is better. I don't think they They're not an elite unit. That. Yeah, you would think this would yeah. be like I, the, the yeah, I don't think, 85 yeah. Bears I, or I don't something. I think they deserve that much respect, especially with again the injuries at, at linebacker. I think it's going to be really important in this game for how the Steelers run the football. Um and then Bills offense, like I I uh, okay, they just they just beat the Dolphins. Huge win. Yeah, it took a punt return touchdown to get there. Josh Allen turned the ball over three times, right? I, I'm getting a turnover prone offense oh my God. and a defense that can lose to the running. Like, it's just at 10 points. That's too big. Now, am I going to feel good? Is this a positive feeling for me? No. Will I enjoy this watching experience? Absolutely not. Will I be furious at myself? Yes. But I'm going to take Steelers plus 10 and we're going to ride it out. Sometimes you got to pinch your nose, Shield, and I'm pinching my nose. There will be some stat after this where it's like, 
99 straight games where a team outgained its opponent by this margin, they won by at least 10 points or or, or success rate, you know, there's like, gotta be, yeah, there'll be something yeah, like that. There's going to be a great photo of Mike Tomlin in a huge puffy jacket, uh, the hat low over his head with the headset on snow in front of the camera, looking like, like you know, sunglasses like still on, the blizzard, got the arms crossed, like a wide stance <laughs> and just underneath it'll say like bills eliminated. And then like, I'm going to be like first team to be favored by 10 to lose in the wild card <laughs> yeah. rounds in 1977. Tomlin, yeah, I can't wait. First team to get outgained by 350 yards and still win. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, no, I, I like the Steelers. Yeah, I, I don't like, I, I really just, when I have to predict a Bills game, I feel so much anxiety. It's like, I don't know. I know they're going to move the football. I know Josh Allen's going to do awesome stuff. I know they're going to do stupid stuff. How am I supposed to know whether they're going to win by 10 points or not? So I like the Steelers plus 10 in that game. That's your third lock. And I'll go with the other one. You called it. Uh, I'm going Packers plus seven at Dallas. This is another one I feel uneasy about because I could easily see a scenario where the Cowboys blow them out. I mean, like you said, Packers are so young. They turn the football over a couple times. All of a sudden, one of those graphics, Zach Prescott is 21 for 22 in the third quarter or something. Like, that is absolutely in play. That going Dak Prescott against this defense makes me very uneasy. I need a shootout. I need Jordan Love to play the way he's been playing He's been awesome. Love this Packers offense in the second half of the season. I don't feel like the moment's going to be too big for him. You know, if, if it may be the, the mm-hmm. other guys around him, uh, I could see that the young wide receivers drops, missed assignments, wrong routes, all that stuff. But man, Matt LaFleur now 56 and 27 in his career. Like I really think uh, like I was healthy. On, I was on the fence with him for a while and it was, oh, well, he coached Aaron Rodgers. Like, come on. First year post Aaron Rodgers with the first time quarterback. And this supporting cast, the youngest in the NFL, and you're making the playoffs like that. And, and he's in charge of the offense. Like this isn't a CEO mm-hmm. type head coach. I mean, he runs the offense. Uh, that's just really impressive. So I think they're going to be able to move the football. I'm hoping they're able to move the football uh, for this pick. Cowboys, Cowboys have been so good at home. You know, again, 8-0 with a plus 172 point differential. That's the best point differential for a home team in the last 10 years. So this is a tough spot. I got to bring up special teams. This could burn me, Ben. It could be a close game. Packers, 31st in special teams, DVOA. Cowboys with a kicker who, when it doesn't get blocked, he doesn't miss field goals. So that makes me a little nervous um, as well. But man, this Packers team finished the season Mm -hmm. seven and three, just one loss by more than four points. This was a really good team down the stretch. A really good offense, I should say. Defense makes me very nervous. Offense. Keep me in the game. Even if you're down by 14, Jordan Love, let's pad those stats a little bit, get a, get a late touchdown, yeah. and let's get the cover. Two things. Yeah, you said uh, uh, Matt LaFleur, the coaching job. We, always, we, we love to use this benchmark in-season shield for coaching. Think about how many players on this Packers team got better. Think yes. about how many players on this Packers team. Yeah, Jordan Love, put Jordan Love aside. It's quarterback, obviously, matters the most. Think about Jaden Reed and Tucker Kraft. Think about uh, uh, defense. Think about Carrington Valentine, man. Think about uh, Lucas Van Ness. Think about Rashawn Gary over the course of the last couple of years. Think about how many players in this team have gotten better under Matt LaFleur. It's a sign of great coaching. Uh, so shout out to Matt on that one. And then the other thing I would say, you said, you know, I need this to be a shoot. I need Jordan Love to keep you afloat. You do, but you don't. Last three games, Aaron Jones, 20 carries yes. in each game, 100 yards in each game. Drink Tell the you game. something, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones looking fresh. He does. Aaron Jones looking a little spry. Young man Aaron Jones out yeah. there. They have, uh, uh, and AJ Dillon was, uh, was, uh, uh, did not participate in practice on, on Wednesday. He's a little bit banged up. He might be a question mark. So he's gotten that volume in part because Dillon's been gone, and they like Dillon late in the season because of the, the physicality and the size. 
But in general, this running game uh, with, with Jones, Zach Tom back at practice, they have been moving the ball on the ground more effectively recently than they have all season. Some of that is the threat of love, certainly, but a lot of that is the, is the health of Aaron Jones. And we, we've seen this Cowboys defense lose to the running game now multiple times. Jonathan Hankins returned to practice. That's their run-stuffing nose tackle. Even with Hankins, they weren't the best run defense to begin with. So they get Hankins back, it's, it's, it's a boost. But still, Packers can run their way into a, a closer game than people realize, especially if they control the ball in the first half. That's a, that's a good game plan for them. Shrink the game, limit the number of possessions. Dak Prescott is on the field uh, and try to steal mm-hmm. one there in Dallas. So that's my last one. All right, so uh, give us the recap. Was there any games... Okay, so you're you're on Packers also, right? Packers. Uh, plus yeah, I seven. took my the the I took Packers and and Chiefs in the beginning of the week. Okay, uh, and as I did as I went through my work, I really still like the Chiefs. I still like the Packers, but I didn't take over the competition. I have enough. I have enough Packers exposure as it is. Extra point taking team of the season, by the way. Yeah, made the playoffs. Yeah, how about plus that? Money. Sheila and Ben, let's Maybe. go. Never doubted. Never worried. Not once. <laughs> Slightly worried. Um, Slightly worried yeah, after I Carolina. I, I was very worried yeah. after Carolina. And the Giants. Yes. I have a uh, I have an Eagles Bucks in game parlay that'll be up on 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 Fanduel that you can find at the t- at the top when you're clicking through. That'll be the Ringer parlay for that game on Monday night, so you can see that. I got a lot going to Wildcard Weekend. Feel good about these teams. Feel good about the reads. Uh, for the competition, my uh, a prop of the week is Najee Harris over 60 and a half rushing yards. Steelers against the Bills. My long shot of the week is the parlay of two unders, uh, less than 45 and a half points in Dolphins Chiefs. Less than 39 and a half points in Steelers Bills brought together. That is plus 156. My locks of the week uh, Chiefs minus four and a half at home against the Dolphins, Bucks plus three at home against the Eagles, and Steelers plus 10 on the road in the weather. Mike Tomlin, quote, we played a complete football game after they moved the ball 127 total yards, plus 10 against the Bills. I've got Patrick Mahomes over 28 and a half rushing yards as my prop of the week. Dak Prescott throws for 300 plus. That's at plus 168 for my long shot. I've got Browns minus two and a half at Houston. Dolphins plus four and a half at Kansas City and Packers plus seven at Dallas. And then all the games real quick. Uh, Solak likes the Texans plus two and a half. I've got the Browns minus two and a half. We're on opposite sides on Chiefs Dolphins. He's got Chiefs. I've got Dolphins. We both like the Steelers plus 10. We both like the Packers plus seven. We both like the Lions minus three. And we both like the Bucks plus three. So we're on the opposite side of two games. We're on the same side of the other five, I think. Is that right? Or the other four? Well, was, yeah, there you go. Okay. I was say, there's six games. So <laughs> if there's a fifth one, I'm on, I'm on your side with that one. I'll, I'll, I'll follow you blindly. All right, there um, you go. New uh new overtime rules, Shield. We get guaranteed uh a guaranteed possession for both teams that th- this this uh this week. It's the um it's the it's the Josh Allen forty two to thirty six rule. I, I I just I just saw this. I'm hoping now oh, for some overtime. There you go. Thing. Get get some get some good overtime games. Which which yeah you, you know sometimes when you're rooting for a side you got to root for the overtime. You know you like just tie the game, mm-hmm. don't win the game. Get me uh to overtime yep. depending on what side you're on. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right, thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to Cliff Augustine for producing. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for his video production. Steven and Nora will be on the feed this weekend recapping these wildcard games Saturday and Sunday. Solak and I will return Monday night after Eagles Bucks. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about all the coaching stuff. We'll talk about our takeaways from wildcard weekend. All right, everyone. Enjoy the games this weekend. We will talk to you next week on Extra Point Take. We'll
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IN-INDIANA. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, Enter the Kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.